Everyone, remain calm. Yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. And later there's running and screaming. Somebody talk to me, what is happening? Welcome to Jurassic World. You're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. You want to consult here or in my bungalow? <laughs> Hold on to your butt. Well, we're back. Hello and welcome to the 101st episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, of course, we've got a bit of news and some birthdays to go over. We've got another edition of Amber Finds reviewing some awesome collectibles from the Lost World era. This time, Jay Jurassic is looking at three awesome posters from the Lost World. It's the last Amber Finds during our month-long celebration of the Lost World, so enjoy. After that, we've got another coded message from our informant, Travis Stevens, with more chaos theories, this time looking at the hidden meaning behind Ludlow's education-costing suits. So we'll get the full report from Travis before InGen catches up to him. Now, back in episode 99, we caught up with part three of the Making of the Lost World. Each episode this month, aside from our 100th episode that was last week, we've been giving you a look at the Making of the Lost World. The 20th anniversary was last week, so we wanted to close out the month of May and our celebration of the Lost World with some fun audio from the Collector's VHS from back in the day. Today, we'll revisit the final installment in the four-part series. Thanks again to everybody who interacted and said such kind things over the last week after our 100th episode. It's been a wild ride so far, and to celebrate, as you've heard, we are giving away two prize packages over on our website. Now, the contest ends this coming Sunday, June 4th, 2017. Now, the first prize pack we are giving away is the Mondo Jurassic World Vinyl Double LP, Yaroslav's 20th anniversary print of The Lost World, and Jay Jurassic's awesome podcast print featuring Rexy, a raptor, and a Dilophosaurus. Now, our second prize pack is another copy of Yaroslav's 20th anniversary print, Jay Jurassic's The Queen print featuring Rexy, and with that package, you could have your very own vial of Dilophosaurus venom straight from Biosyn. So please head to JurassicParkPodcast.com. Also, find the link in our show notes for the giveaway. Make sure to pass it around and enter as many times as you can. It's another jam-packed episode this week, so let's get things started off with a bit of Jurassic news from around the world. Eighteen minutes and your company catches up on ten years of research. Access rate program. Access security. These pictures were taken in hospital in Costa Rica 48 hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Boy, my head being right all the time. But today, I guarantee it. Based off a few social media accounts of many people involved in the sequel to Jurassic World, the filming has wrapped in the UK and they are moving on to Hawaii. This is so exciting guys, just thinking about everything that's being captured in those cameras is extremely thrilling and now I think they're probably around the halfway point, it'll be interesting to see what happens now out in Hawaii and uh, just recently at that wrap party it looks like they projected the title of uh, well, Jurassic World 2 up on the screen using the two slash marks, kind of just like the Jurassic Park 3 one did. 
now, will they be calling it Jurassic World 2? I don't think so. Let's hope not. So maybe it was just kind of a placeholder for the time being. I think they're very confident that this film doesn't really need any further branding to uh, excel in a way. And we are just nearly at a year out and we still don't actually know the title of this film. So hopefully we'll get that pretty soon. Anyway, it's exciting to hear that they wrapped in the UK and are now moving on to the next phase of the film. So stay tuned. <laughs> And speaking of that next phase, it seems like we are getting closer to seeing a trailer for the Jurassic World sequel. Daniela Pineda, who has uh, been cast in the film and has been filming a lot of scenes, hit Twitter this past weekend and asked her followers to ask her anything. Uh, she answered a ton of people's questions, uh, saying that Goldblum is a god, Biona is a true artist, the next film will have the sensibility of the first film, Bryce and Chris are amazing to work with, she cried when she found out she was in the next film, and of course, so, so much more. She said that she saw new footage from the film that was shown at the rap party, and uh, I think that's very interesting that they are already showing some stuff, and she had this to say about the footage. When you look at the footage, it feels like it's the biggest movie ever made. It's going to be very special, trust me and I hate everything. So that actually sounds really incredible, and uh, of course all the other stuff that she said while replying to people sounds incredible. She's been really, really active on Twitter and Instagram throughout this entire process, so definitely keep looking at her Instagram and Twitter. Uh, she's really hyping up this film and getting everybody super excited, and uh... She's been a real delight to watch, and I, I, I really suggest you go check it out. You can go follow her on Twitter, at Maniella, and the real middle finger on Instagram. Over the past weekend, we had a few birthdays to celebrate. Uh, last Saturday, the 27th of May, was Richard Schiff's birthday, Eddie Carr from The Lost World. Sunday, the 28th, was Jake Johnson's birthday, Lowry from Jurassic World. And today, as of this recording at least, May 29th, is Ted Levine's birthday. Now, you might be saying, who's Ted Levine for Jurassic? Uh, well, Ted is in the sequel film. We don't really know much about his role just yet, but happy birthday anyway. Again, happy birthday to Mr. Schiff, Johnson, and Levine. Oh, there it is. There it is. Who's got some change? He takes quarters. I got like, I got a buck. I got a buck ten. How'd you get it? You don't want to know. Her name, but we got it. Where did you get that? I got it on eBay. Then they're expensive. Put them back. He's a digger. Muchacho, let on the loose. I had a promise to conduct a very thorough on-site inspection. And get stuck in the sand. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I got it for $150, but we'll pay it. And then there's the merchandise. I can personally Donald, Donald, this park was not left to cater only for the super rich. That first park was legit. I could write all kinds of numbers on this check. I remember that on InGen's list. Because it wasn't on their list. This fossilized tree sand, which we call amber. Hello, Jurassic fans. We are now at the last one of the four-part series of The Lost World. Bit sad, bittersweet. We are ending the month of May, where we are we were all celebrating the Lost World 20-year anniversary. And since uh, this is the last one of the four episodes of Amber Finds that I did, featuring all Lost World merchandise, let's go out with a bang with uh, three awesome movie posters from The Lost World. One of them I had since I was a child, and uh, pretty much it's heavily damaged since I was a, when I was a kid. I guess I didn't really get anything put in frames 
they were just taped up up to a wall and I didn't really protect them that well so this poster is awesome but it's heavily damaged it sucks <laughs> but um, the other two I got as you know in recent years one of them I basically got not too long ago um, and well I mean let's let's get on to it let's talk about these now the first one I'll be talking about is the one that I got when I was a kid now this poster is fantastic like it is so cool it has a t-rex breaking through like a wall of rocks or like I guess it would be like a wall of concrete or something now it has to be rocks or it might be concrete might be it's a wall he's breaking through a wall okay and it, it I, it's the brown t-rex so I'm guessing it's the female basically uh, it's that image of the T-Rex that you see on the VHS. It's the image of the T-Rex you see uh, on most Lost World merchandise, like breaking through something. So, but it, on this on this image, it has like vines and there's like branches being broken. It's like just wailing through, just getting through there and just roaring in in all the might that is the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Um, the left side corner, left hand corner. Uh, towards the bottom you have a lost world logo well basically you wouldn't know this is a I mean it, it doesn't say blatantly lost world Jurassic Park anywhere it just has a huge image of the t-rex just breaking through and I've drawn this image before this this imagery of the of the female t-rex roaring and breaking through was very very like iconic in all the lost world stuff um it's awesome so problem with my poster is there's wrinkles all over it because well I didn't frame it and just uh, over the years being rolled up it kind of left these uh, like it almost looks like blinds it sucks <laughs> but it is a beautiful poster and if you ever get the chance to find it on eBay I know it's probably gonna be a lot because it's super rare from what I hear it was called the Kmart poster and uh, super rare poster I don't know where you can find it now. Most likely your best bet is eBay, but I've, I've checked. I, I can't find it anywhere. The poster from one I've seen, it comes in like uh, different sizes. Uh, one that's like the one that I have, which is like the regular poster size uh, 28 by 38 or something. Uh, 36. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm probably wrong, but that's the size that I have of, of the poster. Um, and it comes also in a larger size, um, 48, whatever, you know, the bigger poster size. And this poster, just seeing it, I, I, I need to frame it. I got to get it framed. This poster was on my wall for years. For years it was on my wall. It was it was basically, like, as a kid, I, for some reason, I did have a lot of Jurassic Park stuff, but I didn't have too many posters of Jurassic Park. Um, I had the raptor poster when i was a little kid and then um my stepbrothers took the raptor poster and it was mine but they took it i and i never saw it again when um when my uh my stepdad uh and my mother divorced and separated so they he took a lot of my stuff as a kid too i, I uh, that raptor poster was was my favorite now I have it I have a small version of it on my on my on my door actually but it was on actually I remember being 
I remember it being on the door to the attic and uh, so then when I got this poster I remember this was a gift from uh, one of my mom's friends and uh, I loved it at first when I I didn't see like uh, all like the JP logo or anything on it I was like is this a bootleg and then it's like but it was just it was just meant to have the imagery just pull you in and not the name and it does that it's it's striking how awesome this T-Rex looks breaking through that wall so if you ever see it just do not pass it up especially in great condition great condition this poster is amazing mine is still amazing because it's that old from 97 but yeah it's it's damaged but it has a lot of memories attached to it because I'm looking at it and I can see myself back in my old room when I as a teenager growing up and it's really the only poster that stayed up for years even through my teenage years when you go through you know your whole uh, I'm too cool for dinosaurs and all stuff you know and uh, yeah so let's move on to the recent poster that I got now this guy actually nah let's leave that one for last cuz that one seems everybody seems to be interested in that one let's leave that one for last we'll go on to the next one that I purchased not too long ago maybe like a year or two ago and uh, it's one of the posters that was in the movie theater from Lost World it was a, a Lost World uh, I don't know if it's an official movie theater one but I it is an awesome poster it's big it's a big poster it's it's the bigger sized poster um, and is it the exact like it's the movie poster so it has the Lost World uh, logo on it, the black like cliffside jagged rocks wall that it's like carved into, and then it says you know something has survived in red letters, and it has you know all the the white lettering of the credits of like who was in the movie and whatnot. But it is the poster or basically what you saw for marketing of the Lost World when you saw pretty much that black like dark grungy concrete rock face or whatever and the the logo just like breaking through it with all like the the ruins type of look to it with all the cracks and whatnot beautiful beautiful idea the guys that they really worked on these movies amazing artists you really got to give them a round of applause for the work they've done, logo-wise, marketing-wise. It's just amazing what they what they did. These images will never leave your head if you're if you're a fan. Even if you're not a fan, you know the sign. You see a skeleton T-Rex, it's always going to remind you of the Jurassic Park T-Rex. It's amazing. And just like that that logo that they came out for Lost World was was very impacting on uh, it was it was strong. It was it, it something has survived that that subtitle is just just really hit you and it hit you more when you saw that sign it, it was a ruined sign it was something that, that's been left out there in the past like almost like hieroglyphics you know like it was just found and there it is and life finds a way but that, that it's just I haven't gotten framed too because it just takes up a lot of space but as soon as I do, I, I can't wait to have all of the movies 
because I have Jurassic World and I have Lost World um, movie theater posters, like the big posters. And then um, I still need an original Jurassic Park poster and I need a Jurassic Park 3 poster. Um, but yeah, <laughs> to have that, the day I got that, I was super happy. Very, very happy. And the coolest thing is, it, it it's not like it has like a backside to it where it's just blank and white. It's actually reversed. Like you see the everything reversed on it. So it's it's pretty. It's almost like it's transparent. It's weird, but it's it's awesome. Um, yeah, really cool stuff. Um, great purchase. Got it off of eBay. I suggest if you want to look for one. Just try eBay. eBay's your best bet. And for the last one, well, this one here is from my good friend, like I said, um, Derek, JP Collector on Instagram. And uh, his eBay store is, is SGZ Collectibles. That dude right there, uh, that guy is the guy to, to ask for any of this JP merch. Um, this poster here, I had seen kind of like in concept art or something. I never knew there was an actual poster of it. So it was a complete surprise to me. But when I saw it, I saw, I said, uh, that's, that's, that's me. That poster is my style and it has JP on it. So I had to get it. And, uh, Derek's delivery was super fast. I told him I wanted to do an Amber, fi Amber Finds on it and whatnot. And yeah, he delivered, man. He got it to me. And uh, here it is. This one is the one people I've been talking about on Instagram. If you've seen the post of like a gory like piece of flesh being eaten by a carnivore, this is the poster. This is it. It is so freaking metal, dude. <laughs> it is... I, I mean... Like, I want to say a, a bad word, basically, because it's that type of poster. It's crazy that this was sold to kids. It is basically the Parasaurolophus, Parasaurolophus, however you want to say it, being eaten by the two T-Rexes from the Lost World Jurassic Park. It has, it's an illustration, or I, I would say more of a painting. Yeah, it's a painting. Of the two T-Rexes, the male and the female, just eating a carcass of the Parasaurolophus. And I'm, I'm, you know what I mean, it's safe to bet uh, that uh, this carcass is the one that you see the baby T-Rex eating. This is them making their kill, and then later on in the movie is you, you see this carcass being eaten up. Or it's probably the one that, like, uh, you see as you walk into the Rex nest with, with uh, Roland. If you pay attention, it's one that, uh, uh, if you've seen, um, who, who made that one? There's, there's somebody that made this carcass. I've seen it. Um, it is, it is crazy, dude. It's gory. Like the flesh is being ripped off from the, from its ribs, uh, on this Parasaurolophus. Let's just say Parasaur. Um, it, but such a beautiful tragic image all at the same time you you have this beautiful kind of like swampy like 
no, it's not really a swamp. It's more of like a brook. It's almost, it looks exactly kind of where like Dater meets his end to the Cumpies. It's basically like a little riverbed end. Um, you got some nice ferns on the corner. You got a, a tree trunk like laid out by uh, where the water's like, oh, it's, and it's so beautifully painted. The water looks like it's it's running. It's 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 moving. It's serene. And as you go up, you see this dead carcass of, of a dinosaur just bleeding out. Like, uh, the neck has been snapped. And the entire, in the middle, like, its torso, it's just a huge chunk is gone. And some of it, it some of that chunk is still lightly attached. But it's being ripped out into the jaws of a Tyrannosaurus Rex, just feasting. And then the other Tyrannosaurus Rex is like roaring in glory that they have this like it's almost like he's it's almost like he's praying that you know praying over the meal that they have before them because <laughs> he's yelling up at the sky and you can tell they're like in a can there's like a canopy because the lighting is is not too bright and it almost feels like the only lighting you see is like through the through the little bits of like leaves of the tree tops uh, tree tops. And on the corner, it says, Press Center for Real Dino Sound. Since this poster is from 1997, I mean, I was hoping that I could replace batteries on it, but you can't. It's it's basically, it's not going to roar anymore. But I'm guessing it probably did like, a, you know, the T-Rex sound, the the normal roar we all know and love. And that was pretty cool. That, that was must have been an awesome gimmick back in 1997. Sadly, it does not work for me anymore. I wish it did, but I, I really don't want to ruin the poster by trying to replace batteries on it. And, and maybe, maybe the battery that I might replace won't work. I don't know. I, I don't want to experiment and, and mess it up. So I'm just going to leave it as is. But it says on the, on, the, on the top right corner, Roaring Poster, 23 by 35 inches. So this one is, a, yeah, this one's a 23 by 35. So the other ones are probably like 24 by 36. It's like poster size. So, and it says, warning, press center of logo on module for real dino sound. And I'm guessing that back in the day, somebody would press that and you hear that sound and that'd be freaking awesome. So, I'm trying to see if you can find like the signature of the artist that painted this. If anybody out there knows the name of the artist that painted this, uh, sh send me a shout out. Because I would love to know the guy's name. Because he did amazing work for this. This is beautiful. And this is not Mark Crash's look or whatever. This is this is a different artist. You can tell by the way the Tyrannosaurs are drawn. They're not drawn in the classic uh, Crash style. They uh, The one that's feasting has a classic JP T-Rex look. The one that's roaring, his face is a little off. It doesn't look too much T uh, JP Rex, but still looks awesome none nonetheless. So, but this poster is, is being hung right over my desk as soon as I get a frame for it. It, this is, it's, it's amazing, guys. Like, I can't, uh, I can't express any more happiness for this poster. And so happy that I was able to do the last Amber Finds, uh, Lost World Edition on this one. And on all these, I mean, just taking that one out from my childhood is amazing and then knowing that i have the one that's gonna it's from like the movie theater type of poster and then having this one that 
that is so crazy, gory, like horror Jurassic Park. This is like a horror poster, really. <laughs> it's 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 crazy how much blood is being shown here and flesh being ripped off. <sighs> wow. I'm pretty sure like not a lot of parents wanted this for their kids hanging on their wall. Yes, it's dinosaurs ripping each other apart, but could have easily been a human. This artist is really cool in my book. Sorry guys, but I, I, I am a horror fan. I love gory stuff, and this this art piece calls to me. It's talking to me right now. It's making me hungry. <laughs> anyway, guys, um, uh, there will be pictures, of course, with the website uh, when you go check out the podcast, so you can see these for yourselves. I will be posting them on Instagram as well. And if you don't follow me on Instagram yet, um, let me give you my name so you can follow. It's at uh, jjurassic, that's J-A-Y-E underscore J-U-R-A-S-S-I-C-K. And Twitter's the same thing. And that's where I'll be posting these pictures, these posters. I've described them, but it's cooler if you see them. But hey, this is how it is. It's old time type of radio where I describe things and you guys listen and um, get into that nostalgia seat and just roll on by and see the memories roll and if you remember these posters guys sh sh send me a shout out let me know tell me where, where you had it stashed up in your room or if you had it in your basement or on your attic door like I did let, let me know on any of these items of Lost World you know uh, just the other day I was talking to Ted Brothers and, and we were talking how I been getting him hooked on other merchandise when I talk about it. if if there's a there's an item that you're looking for and and I've talked about it let me know I, I'll let you know how I was able to acquire it and maybe I can help you out maybe you can get the item as well um, guys I loved celebrating the Lost World Jurassic Park month uh, these four segments the Lost World means a lot to me um, it is my favorite film of all time and yes it is it is my favorite out of the Jurassic Park series that means it is yeah it's it's my favorite after uh, I mean Jurassic Park is my favorite after Lost World not by much but it is my but Lost World is my favorite sorry that was really confusing um, but it's been a lot of fun to go through these memories because this is a movie that I, uh, I, I, I completely adore this this movie made my childhood uh, Jurassic Park started this movie solidified my love for dinosaurs and my love for art in general this movie is the reason I got into drawing anatomy and, and animals and dinosaurs and creatures and monsters and all that this it's all stems from 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 these films and especially this one so it's cool to see that so many fans have come out and appreciated the lost world and it's it's different to see that because Lost World has been highly underrated for a long time, and finally I feel like people are starting to see what it really is, and it's a very, very beautiful film, and a perfect sequel. It really is, and um, yes, of course that's all my opinion. Fine, I get that, but it's a beautiful film, man. So. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent. Um, 
but yeah guys that's uh that's it for this uh the last one of the amber finds lost world and um i just one more thing i want to say get ready because jay and ted's jurassic adventures is coming it was the first episode was recorded oh man you guys are in for some funny crazy stuff all right you're gonna love those they're really funny all right anyway i'll see you on the next amber finds have a good one jurassic fans chaos chaos theories chaos okay chaos theories chaos chaos in general, do anything to get their hands on my information. My chaos theories. Greetings, my fellow truth diggers. I, Travis Stevens, am back with the dirtiest and darkest secrets that InGen tries to hide. I sign no NDA. No court documents keep me from revealing what may be the Triassic truth, dropping a meteor of what may be fact on you. Today's investigation. Why were Peter Ludlow's suits so expensive? Many of you will recall the conversation between Dr. Ian Malcolm and Peter Ludlow at the beginning of The Lost World. Things get heated at John Hammond's posh New York City apartment. As there is some raptor-level alpha posturing between Malcolm's brilliant mind and Ludlow's greedy weasel instincts. After discussing his insulting payoff and the destruction of the reputation within the academic world, Dr. Ian catches Peter by the arm, telling him that he won't forget how he had been wronged by the company. Ludlow responds, Careful, this suit costs more than your education. Which brings me to today's question again. Just how expensive are Peter Ludlow's suits and why? To answer this question, we need to determine how much Ian Malcolm's education actually cost. As an education in his 40s and 1997, we can assume his high school years were around the early 70s. His K-12 public schooling would have cost about 55000 total at that point in time. Being a gifted academic with a hunger for decadence and the finer things, he would have pursued admittance to a prestigious university with national recognition. Assuming he was one of the bigger Ivy League colleges, in the mid-70s, his undergraduate degree would have been about 2600 a year, or somewhere under 11000 total. Add another four years for his doctorate, and let's just imagine that he pays the same amount, maybe 22000 total for his undergraduate and doctorate. Add the 55000 and you have $77,000. I'm sure there are very exclusive suit makers that charge a fortune, but $77,000 is pretty steep. And Ludlow seems very confident that his suit is more expensive, possibly far more expensive. How can he be so confident? I'll tell you, but you aren't going to like it. I mean, you thought you didn't like him before, but you're seriously not going to like him now. Peter Ludlow exclusively wears 
dinosaur skin suits. A prehistoric species has been brought back from extinction, and all Pete can think about is the fact that he's going to like the way he looks, wearing the most exclusive of materials, the prestige, the exploitive exclusivity of genetically engineering a dinosaur just to skin it, completely falls in line with Ludlow's M.O. I mean, this makes total sense when you think about him rapidly agreeing to Roland Tembo hunting and killing the bull T-Rex, quite possibly the most valuable animal on the island. He doesn't say, actually, Roland, millions of dollars went into the creation of that beast, and capturing and preserving it is kind of why we're here, man. No. Peter doesn't blanch at this prospect at all. He fully embraces it. Sure thing, I totally get your need to drain this animal's life and preserve its tissues for your display purposes. And you know, you know all through the movie, this pathetic wannabe is just waiting for Roland, Dieter, Carter, hell anyone, to comment on his outfit, just so he can go on about it. What, oh this? Yeah, interesting material, right? Hadrosaur. This part's protoceratops. No big deal, just feels better. You can really feel the difference, you know. When he gets devoured at the end, spoiler alert, Jennifer Tarek, his just fate is reinforced by the fact that he's wearing actual dinosaur skin. The mother T-Rex is acting out of pure instinct, smelling the skin of its traditional prey on this man's body. What an idiot. So... How much does a dinosaur suit cost? Well, a lot more than $77,000. Each animal is going to be the product of millions of dollars of research. When you factor in the value of an animal that has aged to maturity against all odds, after hours of work and care provided by an army of dedicated geniuses, wow, I tell Ian to keep his number crunching chaos fingers off too. Unless just... Even forget the raw materials, it's gotta be tough finding someone who can reliably tan dinosaur skin, and a tailor who can work their magic with it. That's dino skin. You gotta get it to lay nice. Ah, I just heard some motorcycles and, uh, I know that's an SUV. InGen's here, I gotta go, bye. Now let's take a listen to part four of four of the making of the Lost World. He's very angry. This is the appearance nightmare. No, I'm I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. Is that good? You find it. Fantastic. Just the parts they didn't like. I believe I've spent enough time in the company of death. Hang on, this is going to be bad. We thought that in order for this movie to surpass what was done on the first. Um, it needed to be more complex. It was a sequence where it was a motorcycle chase through a field. One of the things we did here at ILM before the plate photography was done was I did a little animatic where we just set up ponds of a uh, herd of paras, herd of galleys, um, and a motorcycle, and just set up different paths and how the motorcycle could be chasing these things through the legs of this brontosaur. And when it came down to plate photography, Dennis sort of had a, a vision of what that could look like before they shot the film. 
dawned on us that this was the first time in the history of CG creatures, if you will, that we had a repeat character. We had the T-Rex coming back again. That hasn't happened yet. This is the first time. And there were certain aspects of the T-Rex's behavior in the first one that made the T-Rex who it was. So we tried to incorporate some of those behaviors into the T-Rexes in this sequence. In the shot where they eat the poor occupant of the vehicle, we had to come up with something that would work as far as the exchange of the two animals, you know, struggling, having a tug of war over this morsel. Stephen always called it his make-a-wish shot because, you know, they end up grabbing him and pulling him apart. But we, the, the thing we wanted to be careful of, since it was such a, such a, a violent act, is trying not to make it that violent, trying to tone that down a little bit. And we did that a lot through the lighting, just keeping things more mysterious than like in your face kind of stuff. We have on the show a tremendous number of what we call two-dimensional compositing, which is like blue screen foreground and a background that's either computer generated or shot somewhere else. Probably 70 or 80 or 90 shots like that. And Rick Schultze and a, his crew that he's got are, are spearheading that process of combining those shots and making them look, you know, terrific. I'm in charge of supervising all the 2D and model shots. There were um, a couple of fairly large miniatures. There was a boat crash when they're coming back to San Diego, and they crash into the boat dock. We had four miniature shots there. We shot the miniature high speed, 96 frames a second. The other one was the stadium, and that was much smaller scale. It was 48 scale, so it's not a very large model, but it turned out pretty well. We uh, also created the cracks that evolved in the windows within the trailer. What we did was broke glass and forms that we liked, and then uh, Pablo Hellman, who's doing a lot of the compositing on that sequence, then animated the cracks. We also doctored them. We'd move cracks around and that type of thing, but it was based upon photography. Heads up! We received photography from the first unit, which was of these people in a trailer over a blue screen. When you looked at the original shot, you just saw the people hanging from ropes within the trailer, you know, shots looking down through the trailer at them with just blue screen below them, nothing else. So we were then required to uh, replace that blue screen with, you know, raging surf and cliff and that type of thing. We have uh, open dailies for the entire crew a couple of days a week, Monday, usually Monday and Friday. For that one guy in shadow. Yeah, the guy that comes forward, he's always still in the wrong place, I think. He's like 80% of where he should be. We go through the work and sort of critique it and then split apart and deal with the problems. Okay, final. Yeah. At the beginning of the show, when I first heard about it, it seemed like an opportunity to do something that was the next step beyond the first show. And I didn't want it to look like it was just the second side of the same saga, but it had to look like, you know, it was radically different from the first film. It was like Empire Strikes Back was to Star Wars. Something that's just like the next step going in places that, you know, you haven't seen.
to discuss the post-production phase of the film. Uh, Michael Kahn, for example, the editor. He's been with Stephen for several years now. Uh, I, I can't see a film being done without a Steven Spielberg, Michael Kahn uh, combination. Uh, Stephen relies on, on Michael because of his uh, uh, ability as an editor, because he's, he's obviously one of the best. The economy sometimes that you can find in the course of editing a movie is is always something to pay attention to because you don't want the audience to already be ahead of where you are in terms of character development but on the other hand it's safe from the standpoint of producing and directing frankly it's much safer to go ahead and shoot it if you're at all on the fence as to whether or not you need it especially when it comes to defining character i got a call from a gentleman who's going to Costa Rica or thereabouts. Now, if, if he's to be believed, it's a most unique expedition and very well funded. Well, I'm a very well funded old son of a bitch. With the case of Pete Postlewaite, we shot a scene that sets up his character and defines who he is as sort of the great white hunter. But then we realized in the course of cutting the movie together that the audience didn't really need it. They were already there. They already understood who he was. Tell the truth, Roland. Are you not even interested in this expedition's quarry? RJ, go up to my ranch, take a look around the trophy room, and tell me what kind of quarry you think could possibly be of any interest to me. And the same thing would be applicable with the boardroom scene. This corporation has been bleeding from the throat for four years. You have sat patiently and listened to ecology lectures while John Hammond signed your checks and spent your money. You have watched your stock drop from 78 and a quarter to 19 flat with no good end in sight. And all along, we have held significant product assets that we have attempted to hide at great expense when we could have safely harvested those assets and displayed them for profit, enormous profit. Enough income to wipe out four years of lawsuits, damage control, and unpleasant infighting. And the one thing, the only thing standing between us and this windfall is a born-again naturalist who happens to be our own CEO. Believe me, I don't enjoy having to say these things about my own uncle. I think, remember what Sarah said before? These plants make it so the animals won't even know you're here. You're just trying to make me feel better. I remember all those stories you told. Oh, no, no. This is nothing like that. We're in a completely different situation right now. Gary Rydstrom and Gary Summers did an absolutely phenomenal job with sound design. Um, I, needless to say, was involved in the process every step of the way of what kind of sounds that they were laying in. And it's always amazing to me to sit on the dubbing stage and to watch a scene begin to play out after they've laid in the from the pre-dubs to the final dubs all the detailed sound work and it brings the characters to life
And then to lay on top of that, what John Williams has done with score, I mean, without it, it's um, drastically different experience. Stephen's idea was that this was all taking place on an island someplace in some, in some Caribbean area and that the music might ha might be driven by some drums, if you like, or some sort of ethnic or uh, jungle kind of uh, uh, texture or flavor that might drive the music and might give it a kind of unique flavor. And so much of what, in the action sequences I did, to begin with at least, was driven by this by this drum thing, which I enjoyed. And we had some wonderful percussionists come onto the stage. And it contributed a nice flavor, I think, to the film. I haven't made an experiment of comparing the two scores, but I think we'd find that Lost World is, is probably more frightening, maybe more dissonant, maybe a little bit more, with a little harder edge to it, and maybe scarier than, than Jurassic Park would be of necessity because of the different styles and, and, and look and texture of, of each film. One day I was in a, in a museum and there was a little kid who couldn't have been more than two or two and a half watching a slideshow. And the, the, the kid's feet didn't come anywhere near touching the ground on the bench, you know? And uh, it was a, the kind of child who probably wasn't even in preschool yet. And the slides would be up there, and the kid would scream, Tyrannosaurus! Stegosaurus! You know, and all for an hour. And I just sat there thinking, what is it? All the time that I was working on the book, I was really trying to understand what the fascination is. I always keep the audience in mind on a movie like this. You know, the audience comes first, even before me. I mean, I have my own secret desires, and I might make another kind of movie to express those, but I really think of the audience when I think of a Jurassic Park or a Lost World or, or the entire Indiana Jones series. And yeah, a lot of this movie was made for what I would hope would be a pleasure and an adventure for the audience as opposed to something that would, you know, make them shriek and cover their eyes. Make sure to visit JurassicParkPodcast.com to find all our past episodes, brand new news articles, information on how to contact us, and much more. It's a great source for everything related to the podcast, and of course, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Head to JurassicParkPodcast.com and help us build a great community. Anybody hear that? Thanks for listening to the 101st episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. Of course, a huge thanks to Jay Jurassic for the final installment of Amber Finds during this month-long celebration of the Lost World. It's been a blast hearing from Jay each episode this month, learning a little bit more about him and also the collectibles from the Lost World. I'm going to be sad when this Lost World month is over. It's been a blast celebrating it. Also, a big thanks to Travis Stevens for another great top-secret transmission featuring the cost breakdown of Ludlow's suits. It's been bugging me for a very long time, but now all is revealed. Thanks, Travis. If you want to interact with us, we do most of our work over on Twitter, at Jurassic Park Pod. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Jurassic Park Podcast, and our Instagram handle is at Jurassic Park Podcast. You can make sure to listen to us via iTunes, Google Play, Podomatic, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So make sure to subscribe to automatically get new episodes every week. 
If you haven't already, please give us a five-star review in iTunes or a great review wherever you listen to the podcast. It will seriously help out our rankings and make it easier for fans like you to find us. We're usually spotted commenting on the Jurassic Park subreddit as Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to check out JurassicParkPodcast.com for all the links you heard here today. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, comments, or if you want to debut a segment of your own, like Jay and Travis, you can send them to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. Or you can submit questions directly on our website contact form. If you'd like to record something for the show, send it in to us and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. If you don't have any way to record, you can give our voicemail line a call and leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.